somebody recently, um, this week, uh, and they were saying that uh, Don and I should do more sermons about marriage because if we can stay married, anybody can. And I was like, what, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, so we're not going to do that today. But we have some really exciting uh, sermon series is planned for this coming year. Uh, Terry Rapley, who many of you know, and Don and I have been spending time praying and talking about what kind of sermon series uh, God is leading us to do, and, and we're, we're looking forward to that. But right now, we're in a sermon series called Empowered, and we're leading up to Pentecost, uh, which is going to be, like I said, this is going to be over the course of seven weeks. Um, we started last week. We're skipping on Mother's Day. We're going to do something special on Mother's Day. Uh, but we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and the, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is very important for us as a church. Um, it's one of our values, is this idea of being people of the Spirit, welcoming the presence and power of the Spirit. And we, we kind of um, work hard to, to do that in a way that's biblical, first and foremost. And secondarily, I think we want to work hard to be able to see how it applies into our lives, um, and I had this really interesting experience. So I, you know, many of you know, I grew up in the vineyard movement. I've, you know, been in the vineyard for over 30-something years, uh, been a vineyard pastor for a long time. Um, I've served on vineyards national teams for church planning and for theo theological studies and all this really crazy stuff. And what I've kind of found is that our theology of the Spirit and our practices of the kingdom are are unique to us, and they're really important, and that's why we're taking some time to do that. And my background is is I came into um, the vineyard as, at a young age, but then I spent a few years in a conservative Baptist church, and then I spent a couple of years in a Pentecostal church, and and have just been thinking about like, well, there's these different ways that people do things, and you know. What is the way that we see Scripture leading us to? And, and I had this conversation with this young woman after I'd been pastoring for about like four or five years. And, and I was talking about how I really do believe the Bible teaches us that we should, we should, every one of us should be hungry for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Like we should desire that. And that you can have multiple experiences with the Spirit. Right? So, like, meaning that it's not like you have this one-time thing, and then after that, you're good to go. That's not, I think, what Scripture teaches. Um, and so I was talking about that, and I get that right from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Paul says uh, to the Ephesians to be filled with the, power, with the Spirit. Be, being filled. The original Greek uh, uses this word that's it's, it's an ongoing, continuous, present tense, meaning you should go on be being filled with the Spirit. Okay? So, like... I don't know about you, but uh, there's a lot of days where I'm like, I really could use an outpouring of the Spirit right now, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's certain things. I mean, how many of you have been heading to work and you're about to have a really controversial, you know, maybe difficult, challenging conversation? Anybody in the room? You ever had that happen? Yeah, you got this, you know, like maybe you're sick in your stomach and you're just like, oh man, I'm just dreading this. Like moments like that. Well, what do you do? Well, some of you might pop a couple medicinal medicinal pills or something or maybe you take a shot of liquid courage not you guys you guys would never do that but right there's all these different ways that people handle the anxieties but what i think the bible actually uh, encourages us to, to do is to actually say come holy spirit come holy spirit and help me 
right now, fill me, empower me to be able to go forward with this situation. And so I was having this conversation with this young woman. She was 16 years old, and I had just gotten done speaking on Ephesians 5 and saying, hey, the whole goal of the Christian life is that we should all continuously be trying to be filled by God. We should always be saying, come Holy Spirit, fill me up, strengthen me, empower me. And she was just like weeping. And I came over and I was like, hey, how are you doing? What, you know, what do you need prayer for? And she's just sobbing. And she basically tells me, she says, hey, um, I went to this church that told me if I came forward and I had this spiritual experience with the Holy Spirit um, that I would receive the Spirit and then I'd be good to go and I could charge on through life and, and be okay. And, you know, that was when I was nine, and I think at the time she was like 16, maybe 17, and she's like, and it's been, you know, it's been like a long time since I felt like at all any of that peace. And, and she's like, and I never ever knew that I could ask God for more. And I was like, oh man, that's, you know, really sad, and we prayed, and she had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that's a really good way to think about what we want to talk about today is how it is sad if you think that you can only receive grace from God one time, right? Like we should, we should be in this lifestyle where it's a regular ongoing, ongoing thing. And so she has this, this conversation with me and she, she basically says, I had no idea that I could have more than a one-time experience with the Spirit. I, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I want prayer and we prayed. And, and then I've been thinking about other people who in our type of churches, I really feel like oftentimes we're great about celebrating extroverts and people who are people people and maybe who are more celebratory in the way that they worship, but introverts and people who are quiet, they don't really know what to do in charismatic churches, right? Because, are you with me? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, when I was growing up, like our church that I grew up in for a few years had a flag team meaning they had people who had flags who would run around the church with flags. And guess what? My mom led it, and it was the most embarrassing thing ever. And I was like, that's not my mom, you know? And, the, and there was like trumpets, and it was just really like, it was really out there. And, and so when you think about that type of culture in a church, and then you think about people who maybe are uncomfortable with that, what are we supposed to do? And so I, I think we have to think through about that. Is it possible that the Holy Spirit can be present and can empower introverts. Is that possible? Yeah, right? And so let's think about that a little bit. That's, that's kind of the whole point of this sermon series is to, is to wrestle through with some of these. And these are some of the reasons why I would argue that theology matters. The way we think about and talk about God matters because if we don't spend time trying to form our theological beliefs and our theological practices based off of the entirety of Scripture— and not just one or two verses, it's really easy to start doing things that are unhelpful or that are damaging or that just don't quite give God His glory and His, and His, and His truth. And so that's what we're doing right now. And so this morning, we're going to do this really fun thing, and we're going to try to talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And we are taking the 30,000-mile-high view. We're looking down, and we're going to try to summarize all that the Old Testament uh, talks about. And if you have a Bible, just really quickly, if you're, if you're new to the, the Bible, I can tell you right now, this is definitely something that you want to spend time reading on a regular basis. Um, but the Bible is broken up into two parts. 
And there's the, what's called the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. And then there's the New Testament. And the Old Testament is really fascinating. It's the most challenging and difficult part for us in our world to understand because this, the lifespan, the distance between our culture and the ancient culture is literally thousands of years, like 3,500 years at least between some parts of the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you have historical writings, you have poetry, you have um, you have these, these writings that are apocalyptic, meaning that they're super full of symbolism and illustrations and illusions, and they can be really challenging for us to understand. And then there's the Psalms. How many of you have read the Psalms? Some of you have? A couple of you have? You should all be in the Psalms. The Psalms are, are like just poems and, and love songs. And, and at the same time, too, they're full of these really challenging um, poems when, when David or other people in, who wrote these songs were struggling, right? We don't just need to sing songs of victory. We also need to sing songs about the griefs that we go through where we can process those things. And Psalms has that. And so our Bibles are broken up into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And today we're just going to talk a little bit about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament. We're going to just summarize a couple of things so we have a better understanding of who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. And next week, we'll start to jump into um, talking about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, which which applies for us today. And so here's what I want to do. I want to read one passage of Scripture really quickly to kind of summarize our thinking about the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit. And this is from the book of Joel. This is what we, we see Joel prophesying. Then, after doing all those things... I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. Men and women alike. Father, I I pray now that as we spend a few minutes talking about the implications and how we can think about Scripture and the Spirit in our lives. I pray that you'd guide us, lead us, direct us, convict us, that you'd empower us, that you'd bring grace where grace is needed. We pray this in your name. Amen. So the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, I mean, big, big subject. There's a lot of different books. Like I said, we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, And then it jumps into these historical writings. There's all the minor and major prophets, the Psalms. There's the wisdom literature, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. There's a lot in the Old Testament. And and when you talk about the Holy Spirit, one thing that I want to mention is that the Holy Spirit is God. We we mentioned that last week. There's some some Christian, uh, well, actually, no, they're not Christians. Some cults, I'm just going to say that, deny that the Holy Spirit is God. But the Bible explicitly indicates that, that God is, there's one God who exists eternally as three persons. And that's the mystery of the Trinity. Can we all agree that the Trinity is mysterious? Yeah, like, right? I mean, understanding the mystery of the Trinity is really challenging. But, but what the New Testament and the Old Testament teach is, is, is that there's, there's one God, God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And we see the Holy Spirit immediately in the, the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, because we see at creation that the Spirit is hovering over the, over the waters of the earth. And, and what's really interesting is that God creates everything, 
Okay, if you look at Genesis 1, there's, there's these, the day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6, and on the seventh day God rests. Theologians and people debate all the time about how that should be understood, whether they're literal days or they're, um, you know, they're large spans of time or whether it's just figurative. But one thing that is explicitly clear is that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, when God looks over all of his creation, he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. And then 33 seconds later, everything gets messed up, right? Like there's a lot of people who have spent time trying to think about how quickly did the fall happen after Adam and Eve were created, right? Because after Genesis 1 and 2, the entire world becomes the Jerry Springer show, like really quickly, right? It's just absolutely fundamentally unwraps and, and becomes a world of chaos, and we see that in the Old Testament rather quickly. So what's beautiful is, is, is this story, though, because what happens is human beings rebel against God. We, we do that today still, right? We, we have what Paul calls a sin nature. We become, we become controlled and influenced by, by this thing that drives us uh, to do things that are contrary to God's, God's will and God's desires. And like, are you with me? Like, is there any question about like sin, sin nature for human beings, right? No, like we know pretty easily that people are broken. And I'm broken, you're broken, the person sitting next to you is broken. If the sit, person sitting next to you is your spouse, they're probably especially broken in your opinion, right? Like, it doesn't take very long. And, and I've always, the best example is like, you have these kids, and I mean, think about when, if you have children, when your first child is born, it's like, oh my gosh, this, this human being is absolutely perfect. Like, I will do whatever it is to protect you. I love you. You're just mind blown. And then after you, if you have another kid, you like, you don't teach your kids to be mean to each other. They naturally are, right? They like lie and steal. And, and I mean, they're like, just, they can be really mean to each other. And we don't teach, like, we don't teach them to do that, Right? Why do they do that? Because of our sin nature. Like we have this thing that causes us to, to make decisions that are contrary to God's kingdom. And so that happens, but then what's really beautiful is that after human beings are broken, are dead, and we're stuck, we see this, this story come about where God begins to, to reveal his plan to restore, redeem, and renew his creation by ultimately providing a savior. And so the Old Testament tells that story. The Old Testament tells the story leading up to Jesus. And so all this, this, this stuff that we read in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the epistles that are written by Paul or Peter or John, these, these letters that are written to these churches, all of the things that we, we read there and maybe are easier for us to understand is, is fore, foretold and foreshadowed in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is helping tell this story and flesh it out. And so this is what we have happen. Really quickly, we have the fall, where human beings rebel against God, and they become spiritually dead, and there's something, something wrong. But then God begins to tell this story, where after God creates everything, the Holy Spirit is present in creation, we see that God begins working through these people that are known as patriarchs and their wives, the matriarchs. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
are called by God and, and invited to be a part of his story of redemption. And, and through those three patriarchs, this, this people begins to, to come out of them that we know as Israel, the Jewish people. And what God's original intention for the Jewish people was that the, 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 land, the people of Israel would function as, a, uh, as a, um, an, an example or as a testimony for the world around. He wanted the people of Israel to be a model to follow. And so around Israel is all these different nations and they're just, you know, full of, of brokenness and, you know, doing all these terrible things. And God's intention was for those nations to look at Israel and how Israel is prospering and blessed and to follow their, their ways. And that's the whole point of much of the Old Testament in the beginning. What's really interesting, though, and this is the part of the, of the story that I find kind of sad, is that when you're reading First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, we have this thing happen where the people of Israel, um, if you know the story, right, they... Um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their people turn into this great, you know, multitude of people, and then they go to Egypt, right? And then after they've been in Egypt for a while, they get stuck in slavery, and then a man named Moses gets raised up as a prophet, and he delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt, right? Are you all with me? Okay, that's the story. And then what's really interesting is that um, after that, that story, you know, Israel is being led by spiritual leaders, Moses, Aaron, Joshua. But along the way, what we read is this part of the story where the people of Israel are like, hey, listen, we want to be just like all the other nations. We want a king. We want a king. We want a political leader to lead us. And, and the people of Israel are even told by a prophet, if you do this, you're going to become just like all the other nations around you. And they say, no, give us a king. And then we end up in the story, Israel ends up with Saul. And Saul starts out okay, but then it goes bad really quickly. And that becomes the cycle throughout the story of Israel is that they have these political leaders. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. And it keeps going through these cycles over and over and over again. And, and so what we have, though, in this story is we have the people of Israel functioning as a model to the entire world. So the question that we need to ask right now is where is the Holy Spirit in that model? Where was the Holy Spirit in Israel? And that's what I want to spend just a few minutes thinking about because there's a number of ways that the Holy Spirit is at work throughout Israel and in, in that time in the Old Testament. And there's three primary ways I think we can think about the Spirit. And the first one is this, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, is seen empowering prophets, priests, and kings to lead Israel. So, for example, Moses is empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to lead the people of Israel. King David is, is empowered by the Holy Spirit to lead the people of Israel. How many of you have ever heard of King Solomon? Some of you have heard about Solomon? This is a great story. Solomon is the one who writes the book of Proverbs, and I would love to encourage you to look at Proverbs. Proverbs is just full of wisdom after wisdom after wisdom. And there's a story where there's these two women, and, and they bring a baby to Solomon, and one is like, I'm the mom, it's my baby. And the other one is like, no, I'm the mom, it's my baby. Have you all heard this story before? And right, it's like, and it's like well, wh whose baby is it? And King Solomon, I think, with an inspiration from the Holy Spirit, says, well, let's cut the baby in half and we'll give each of you 
one half. And then one lady says, no, you can keep it. And he knows that that's the mom, right? So you have these examples. Time, I mean, it's a brilliant move, by the way. You know, not suggesting you do that. I'm just saying it's like a really smart way to go. But you see this it, it happening where, where the Holy Spirit doesn't rest on or anoint or empower everyone. We see that the Holy Spirit empowers certain specific people throughout the Old Testament. And oftentimes they're prophets, priests, and kings. And there's a variety of different biblical texts you can look at. Now the second thing that we see the Spirit doing at that time is giving dreams, visions, and messages to special and unique individuals. So there's people who in the Old Testament will go to sleep and then they'll have this dream and they'll wake up and they'll, they'll actually see um, or know things that uh, God has spoken to them. Daniel's a perfect example of that in the book of Daniel. And then finally, we see that the Holy Spirit is present with the people of Israel, especially through the temple. So the people of Israel build this temple. They're worshiping God through all these different sacrifices and in this like this sacrificial system. And, and that's the primary thing about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is that the Holy Spirit is with the people of Israel. Are you with me? Like, so wherever the people of Israel go, they go, they carry around this ark. And when the ark is with them, God's presence is with them, right? Are you, are you with me? So that's the Old Testament. That's the story that we see is Israel functioning in this way. Now, this means that for all of the Old Testament, most of God's people, they had access to God's presence, but they had access to God's presence through the leadership of Israel and through the religious sacrifices. So, for instance, if this was like 3,000 years ago and we wanted to experience God's presence, we would pack our things up, we would head to the temple, we would participate in the sacrificial system, and know that inside this room over here, God's presence is there. God's spirit is there. Or we might be gathered together and, and a king or a prophet or a priest would come out to make a statement and the Holy Spirit might be resting on them as they do so. And we get to observe the power and presence of the spirit. Okay, that's how it was in the Old Testament. That's the, the primary thing we see. And, and th this is what's really cool though is that sprinkled all over the Old Testament is, is these two things that they just happen over and over again um, as, we're, as we're looking at it. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God promise. He promises to pour out His Spirit on all of God's people. And then we also see that the people of God, they anticipate this great day. So there's this promise and this anticipation. God promises to do this and then... And then what we see is, is God, God's people anticipate that outpouring. They're hungry for it. And there's a, a variety of biblical texts that build that case, but it's one of the primary themes that we have in the book of Isaiah, the book of Ezekiel, and in Joel. And so let me tell you why this matters for us just really quickly. Why does this matter uh, for us? I, I, first of all, I think that it's important for us uh, to realize that our beliefs and our practices should be based on Scripture. Are you with me? Like, I, we're not just making things up like, here, let's go do this. Why? I don't know, because I feel like it, right? We want our practices and our beliefs to, to be inspired by Scripture. Scripture's our final authority, right? So we want to honor Scripture, and 
Since the Bible is 66 books, it includes both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In order to really understand the New Testament, I think we have to understand the Old Testament too. The context and the background actually matters. But let me tell you personally why I think this understanding of the Old Testament and the Spirit being the Spirit was with God's people and the Spirit empowered certain individuals, why does that matter for us? Let me tell you why. The first is this. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was with God's people. In the New Testament, the Spirit is in God's people. That is a, a, just a marvelous and huge transition that we see happening. Like there's a lot of continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is one area where there's discontinuity. There is a shift that happens from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So again, painting the picture for you, in the Old Testament, we would all gather our things and travel to the temple and we might hear a religious leader or a spiritual or, or, a, or a political leader talk to us and tell us certain things. And then we might say, oh, God spoke to us. But in the New Testament, God actually, he lives inside of each one of us. Every single follower of Jesus has the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And then in the, the second thing is that in the Old Testament, the Spirit anointed special leaders, right? I mean, it was very unique individuals. Moses, David, Samuel, Solomon, Isaiah, Malachi, Zephaniah, Zechariah. There's all these specific people who are empowered by the Spirit to be able to speak God's Word or to do certain things. But in the New Testament, the Spirit empowers all of Jesus' followers. Every single follower of Jesus is now empowered. So we now live in a day when the Old Testament saints, um, they, they longed for this day. The day that we live now, they longed for it. They looked forward to this moment. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we living like we are in that day? Are we living in a day where we take full advantage of the reality of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit? Let's stand up together. There's this really cool verse in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians. I love how Paul, this is actually how Paul ends one of his letters to, to the uh, Corinthians. He says, this is a, is, a, is a benediction. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. And that word fellowship uh, is, a, is a Greek word. It's koinonia, and it means fellowship. But it actually, um, in some ways, it, it has this under, undercurrent of the idea of partnership. May the partnership of the Holy Spirit be with you. And what I like about this word, fellowship or partnership, is it kind of implies relationship, doesn't it? It implies intimacy, like, like, like Paul is saying, hey, I want the love of Christ, or the, the, he says the grace of the Lord, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit to be with you. And all of those things imply our access to God, is that we can actually have personal access to him. Like God is present with us. And so I hope you know that like when we gather together now, we have access to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did for us, right? Because of what Jesus did for us. So right now, close your eyes.
And, and for a moment, think of the most challenging situation you have. So maybe you have a relationship that you're in right now that is on the verge of breaking. Maybe you, you struggle with anxiety or depression. Um, you know, maybe you have some type of chronic illness and you're, you're just, it's like every single week you're going through these, these motions. Maybe it's financial hardship. Maybe every single day you're, you're right now trying to figure out how are you going to survive in California. Maybe you have a grandchild that you haven't seen for a while or or a parent that you have have not talked to for a while. You know, I mean, there's a myriad of different challenges that you could be facing. You know, maybe there's some really like serious things at work right now that you are you feel so stuck, you do not know how to address them and resolve them. So whatever issue you have right now, whatever it is, here's the beauty. And this is, this is the beauty of the story that is told in Scripture. Is that God has chosen to be in you through His Spirit. He's chosen to indwell you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the promise, part of the promise we have is that God would live inside of us. In the Old Testament, there was a building called the temple, and that's where God's presence lived. In the New Testament, the church becomes the temple. And by church, I mean people of God. And so it's a total different world that we live in now. And so whatever challenge you're facing right now, whatever thing is, is you're just, it's on your mind. You came, it's on the, it's like on the tip of your tongue right now. You just have it. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Here's what I can tell you is that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Scripture tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So there's literally nothing that you can go through that is too difficult for the Spirit of God. And so that's why as a church community, our favorite prayer we say is, Come Holy Spirit. Sorry. So if... um... What Luke shared just now, if that resonates with you, um, I want to encourage you um, to come up here. And, you know, sometimes people can deal with stuff on their own and um, just one-on-one. But if you are struggling through something um, and you just need a little bit more people to pray for you, hold you accountable, I just want to encourage you to come up here and we will have someone pray for you. If that's something that you feel like God is calling you to do, um, this is a safe place. We we care about everyone a lot. Or if you don't feel like you're courageous enough, um, which is okay, just you know, ask someone next to you to pray for you, or just lay your hands on that person, and um, and God can meet you just where you're at. So I want to ask anybody who is willing to come up here and just pray for these people. Um, 
just come up here if you feel like you you don't have to say anything unless God is really if the Holy Spirit is really speaking to you um, but just takes a lot of courage to come up here so if you're willing to pray for someone or just lay your hands on them and just be with them I pray that you would just um, take courage and just be there with them Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would um, just bless the situation that each of us are going through. We're all going through something, Lord. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to come rest on individuals, Lord. Rest on our, on our bodies, our minds, and our souls, Lord. And I pray that you would be in the situations that we go through, whether it's health, relationships, finances, where are spiritually where we are spiritually lord i pray that you would just help us grow help us learn from situations and that your holy spirit would continue to be in our lives lord i pray that we we would continue to receive your grace and i pray for miracles to happen in people's lives lord just speak to us we love you, Lord, and we thank you for this space that we get to spend time with you and spend time with others in the same in the same way, Lord. I pray that you would uh, just continue to bless our days, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit was, would continue to resonate in our bodies, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name, amen. Thank you guys for all joining us this morning. Um, please feel free to come back next week at 10 o'clock. We do have youth group tonight at 6. Um, so join us if you have 6th through 12th grade. And um, if you have kids, um, thank the workers back there too and grab your kids. Thank you.